procurement keeps coming back to finance, saying it's uh, cost reduction and finance thinks of it as a fancy language to fool them. And for uh, finance keeps staring at the balance sheet and they see, I don't see any difference in the balance sheet. What is the savings? I don't see it out there, right? And when you look at it from overall, uh, the different factors out here is volume, there's uh, volumes of increase, the currency is fluctuated, the market has crashed or increased, or the performance of the organization. And there's certain uncontrollable aspects as well. So that's the uh, bridge that needs to be plugged. And there has to be a lot more discussions between finance and procurement to ensure that there is good trust within the organization. Hey, this is Danny, and welcome to the Spend Culture Stories podcast. You know, we're not just another boring finance or procurement podcast. We explore the sometimes challenging stories and learnings when people, spend, and organizations meet, and how to drive sustainable growth while still balancing control and agility. We have vulnerable, honest, and raw conversations with only the most forward-thinking CFOs, finance executives, and procurement leaders who are challenging the status quo that the way we've done it is just not enough. This is Spend Culture Stories. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Spend Culture Stories. Today, we have another amazing procurement guest for you today. His name is Karthik Rama, also known affectionately as the Procurement Doctor. You might have seen a lot of his posts on um, LinkedIn, and you might have seen him as a guest on one of our friends' podcasts, too, on Daniel Barnes' podcast. So we thought that, you know, he had some really great things to say on Daniel's podcast, and we just had to get him on here as well. So Karthik is all about uh, procurement transformations. He has over 16 plus years of experience in helping organizations with various industries from all around the world. You know, he loves to be inquisitive about understanding the subtle differences in industries and regions and has a complete grasp of the source to pay cycle. Karthik has also worn multiple hats. We love that. Right from being the procurement guy to the IT guy to deploying procurement systems. This really gives him an edge when he speaks the language of technology to the IT teams and procurement to the procurement teams. Hi, Karthik. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Danny. Thank you for having me on. So, Karthik, maybe you can tell the audience a little bit about, you know, how you got started in procurement and what is it that you really help your clients with right now and maybe what industries you serve? Sure. It's a long story about how I got into procurement, so I'll give you the shorter version. So the shorter (laughs) version is me and my wife were traveling, a neighbor of us. We used to work the night shift and uh, we used to work in call centers helping credit card sales and customer service. And this guy getting up 3.30 in the morning because of us. And he ended up offering us a job in his company, which was into procurement. And uh, Mm -hmm. right right about that time, I had an opportunity to move into finance or procurement. And uh, I got into procurement because I didn't know much about it and I found it interesting. So that's the story behind how I got into procurement. And uh, it's been a love affair since then with procurement. And I never felt like leaving it because there's so much to learn out of it. Yeah, totally. So the clients I worked with uh, were uh, core insurance operations, medical devices, shipping and repairs, environmental services. That's what, what I did for uh, procurement for environmental services, wastewater treatment, packaging, recycling to a large extent. So those are the industries that I've served that come off the top of my head. And what kind of problems do you normally solve for these industries? 
A lot, you know. So the areas that I came from, it's more so these big companies who are trying to uh, structure their procurement organization. There's a lot of varied processes or uh, redundant steps. So I go and look at their current process, do a diagnostics of their current process, look at the loopholes, tie that back with their last year's audit reports, right? So a lot of the organizations don't do that. And uh, Mm -hmm. then bring a strong procurement transformation roadmap, which will plug all the gaps for them. Yeah, totally. You know, speaking to a lot of procurement leaders, um, procurement definitely is one of the slower moving functions in organizations, especially bigger ones when it comes to, you know, being efficient or technology driven. So Karthik, um, I know you've worked with a lot of clients from all around the industries, and you mentioned that, you know, there are certain tasks that are not streamlined or very manual. So what are some of the biggest tasks where procurement usually wastes time and efficiency on? Well, I'll call out a few. Uh, There are a lot of them that I could honestly speak about. I could speak about it for the next two days. So I'll start (laughs) off with with the supplier onboarding and managing the supplier's process. This is, uh, it's almost if procurement is given the stepchildly-like treatment within an organization, I think supplier management is given a stepchild-like treatment within procurement. So it's mm-hmm. given the least importance. Uh, it's it's just a matter of uh, ensuring that you have the right suppliers when you're onboarding them and having the right documentation of the, uh, the right qualification criteria for the suppliers. And this is where I see a lot of organizations uh, waste time. Instead of just having a standard, simple process for your day-to-day usage suppliers, your crit- major suppliers and your critical suppliers, as long as you segregate them that way, I think you'll have a better uh, process to manage. Mm-hmm. So the contract piece is another main pain area for a lot of the organization. They don't have a proper process to manage the contracts, right? From draft to negotiation to getting it signatured and stored. And uh, the storage piece is the most simplest piece, but or the basic function of a contract, uh, managing a contract, even that they have a lot of problems with. And a lot of time is wasted in searching for a contract or finding an old contract or a contract expired, but you don't know where the contract is. So these are the areas that I see on the contracts. The basic requisition to PO to invoice processing uh, process itself is so cumbersome that uh, it's something that should be easy, quick to process, uh, to be uh, to be honest. And uh, there are a lot of organizations who still have such a uh, cumbersome process, which is very difficult to manage as an organization. A lot of paper involved, a lot of approvals going from desk to desk. So that needs to be cut down for the organization to spend their time better. Yeah, totally. Like as a um, procurement software solution, we see this all the time too, where they're still using paper POs. And we asked them, have you thought about streamlining things? Have you thought about, you know, automating it? And they're like, well, we just hired another procurement specialist to help us manage the POs. And it just kind of blows our mind. I'm sure you've seen that too. I completely agree to what you said, uh, having adding another procurement guy and making him work on paper, bringing him a paper PO or a paper invoice, matching it manually and storing it in a cupboard isn't the job of a procurement guy, to be honest. And you're wasting a lot of money on resources that way, not using it the right way. So I concur that it's best to yeah, have totally. a tool to manage that if you'd like. Totally. And I think it's also the difference, right, between someone who's like a strategic procurement partner versus someone who's just doing the procurement tasks, because that's like a waste of talent, right? Absolutely. And uh, I see a lot of organizations still 
doing that, unfortunately. And part of the reason is they think a uh, tool is too expensive, but I honestly don't agree with that. That's because a lot of the big tools as well, as well as a lot of small tools, which are pretty affordable. And I'm sure that you'll get ROI if you implement them the right way. Totally. And it's like a long-term ROI, even though you might pay a little bit more upfront. Absolutely. Yeah. You could have a short-term ROI if you're taking up uh, a phased approach, pick up, pick up specific areas and get value out of it and then replicate the same thing as you go forward. Yeah, that's actually a really good strategy too. Since we're um, already on this topic, just wondering, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges and roadblocks when it does come to procurement digital transformation? So if a procurement leader wants to introduce a new piece of technology or automation to an organization, um, how can they get this through? So the biggest challenges with the procurement uh, transformation, the digital transformation, I see a couple of uh, key areas. Is uh, One is having a bad business process. Another one is having bad data. Another one is uh, people not being ready to change. So these are the key areas that I've experienced over and over again over the last I mean, maybe a decade of uh, years of experience doing this. And I'm sure there are a lot more that are out there that we can come up with, but these are the top three from my side. And um, I would ask the organization a few questions before they're taking up, the, taking up on this uh, digital transformation journey. Uh, you need to ask yourself on the business process, have you adopted the right business processes to start with? Right? You can't take garbage in mm-hmm. and put, it, put the same garbage into the new solution. Either. So you'll have to relook at your processes. You'll have to also question if which is your weakest process. Is it the sourcing or the contracts or procure? process, whichever process it is. And you should at least invest in a study or some kind of a diagnostic study, maybe give it to a college graduate who's doing uh, his master's in procurement, or if you have some money, invest in some uh, consultant externally and uh, understand what your, how your current process is and how is it, uh, how close is it to the best in class, or at least where you want to get to, or the ROI you want to get out of the process or the technology that you're deploying. The second piece is on the bad data side. You need to ask two questions. One is, what is the quality of your current data and how are you managing it? Most organizations are blinded at their data. They think it's best in class. They've never looked at it, honestly, for many, many years. So that's poor. And if there's any data scrubbing, that needs to be done. It has to be done right right before the uh, taking up this journey. The third piece is change management and uh, user adoption. So I've seen a lot of cases where you've not involved the right people. You've not identified the change enablers or the change defaulters. I would say you need to keep your enemies closer to you, the ones who are defaulters that you've seen from other experiences or the initial meetings, and ensure that they are happy because uh, the positive effect is lesser, uh, has lesser outreach a negative effect has a larger outreach. It spreads much more faster like wildfire. So you need to ensure you have the right uh, folks that you talk and have them on board, as well as you need to understand the user's uh, challenges on the current process and how the new process would help them. What's in it for them? Yeah, I think these are all really, really good tips. Um, I love in the beginning when you talked about what is actually the problem that you're trying to solve. Because I feel like a lot of times people look at their procurement process and they're like, well, everything needs fixing. But, you know, what's the priority? Like, how do you actually um, streamline that process to make it best in class for that specific problem and not like, you know, the entire cycle? Because you can go on about that for years, technically, right? So, Danny, it's, it's either that 
that uh, they ha- they are addressing that they have a weak process or they're blinded to the fact that they have problems in the process. They need a, somebody else with a fresh set of eyes coming and telling them what are the gaps in the process. So I've seen those organizations as well. Mostly the big organizations, they see a lot of, they think that they are best in class. So you need to give a wake up call sometimes. That's actually so true. I think like one thing that I've heard that's really dangerous mindset is, you know, we've done it before, so why change it? And that's such a dangerous mentality because you're never going to improve. That's right. So you also mentioned, you know, getting the right stakeholders in. And, you know, from the people that we've talked to, especially since we often get CFOs on this podcast too, sometimes CFOs are unfortunately the biggest roadblockers for getting like budgets approved when it comes to technology. So how can finance and procurement, you know, really work together as business partners and make sure that they're finding alignment to grow the company together? That's a really good question. And uh, finance and procurement. Yeah, that's a far off cousins, right? Most organizations. (laughs) (laughs) That cousin that you don't like. (laughs) Yeah, but you got to work with. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's how the relationship is. So what I've seen all through these years and... um, it's core for any organization, let's leave procurement, for any organization to do well, these both departments should work hand in hand. And uh, what I've seen, how best we could align and grow as a company. Okay, a few things that we need to look at is the first and most important thing is uh, building trust. Okay, I see a lot of trust issues between these two departments. And one of the major piece is uh, agreeing on the cost savings strategy or reporting or the formula, right? Mm-hmm. Finance thinks of it that procurement is trying to fool us. They're not really doing anything except for <laughs> buying stuff out of the company's account. And procurement is like, why is finance being such a big bully? Why does he not agree to my cost savings? And there's a fundamental mm-hmm. issue here in the policy or the understanding between both the departments, right? So procurement keeps coming back to finance saying it's uh, cost reduction and finance things of it as a fancy language to fool them, right? And for uh, finance keeps staring at the balance sheet and they see, I don't see any difference in the balance sheet. What is the savings? I don't see it, see it out there, right? And when you look at it from a overall, uh, the different factors out here is volume. There's uh, volumes of increase. The currency is fluctuated. The market has crashed or increased or the performance of the organization. And there's certain unpro- uncontrollable aspects as well. So that's the uh, bridge that needs to be plugged. And there has to be a lot more discussions between finance and procurement to ensure that there is good trust within the organization. A few other studies that I've seen recently, Danny, is that the collaboration with, between uh, CPOs and CFOs, they took a survey and uh, close to 46% CPOs and CFOs collaborated with each other. Okay. The rest of 54% didn't. They hardly involved mm. each other except for odd into discussions. Even within the 46% that uh, CFOs and CPOs collaborate, the collaboration isn't that great either. So basically, there is not much collaboration at an organizational level. The second piece is having a traditional mindset. Why should I change? I'm doing, I'm best at what I'm doing. Procurement is best at what they're doing. They don't ask me to make changes in my process. I don't fidget with what you do. So <laughs> that's a traditional mindset. So that needs to be broken. Mm-hmm. There has to be innovation. There should be a, there's a recent uh, discussion that I heard on procurement founding. 
and cash flow is king, right? That's how finance looks at it, even procurement to a large extent. Yeah. But during definitely. during these COVID times, you could switch the uh, thing. Usually all companies, what they're doing is from having, if it was net 30 days, we push it to net 45, 60 or 90, right? To retain the cash, which is making it much more difficult for your suppliers, as well as for you as well. It's If the supplier is not uh, pr- producing your goods or service, you're stuck as well. Right. So rather having the net 90 days, uh, we could just do net zero with a discount negotiation that you had with the supplier. That way, the supplier is happy and you're getting what you want as well at a discounted rate. And that discussion, for that discussion or for that agreement to happen, there has to be collaboration between finance and procurement. Yeah, definitely. I can really see the value in a lot of hidden pieces that, you know, finance might be blindsided by or they might not even understand completely the value that procurement brings beyond just, you know, bottom line cost savings. Absolutely. Because there's so much also efficiency and gains too when you have a better relationship, like you mentioned with the supplier, or if you're actually able to, you know, automate a lot of the tasks that are taking a lot of time. So you can actually focus on, you know, where to source the goods or perhaps like looking at, you know, what's the overall strategy that we can really implement. Absolutely, Danny. The other piece is in terms of lack of communication or involvement between both these teams, For instance, it's a procurement transformation. They're taking up a new tool. Procurement, there are situations where procurement doesn't involve finance at all, right, from the RFP process, Mm -hmm. whereas finance is involved to some extent on the invoicing fees or monitoring the budgets, things like that, right? And uh, procurement just takes the current process of finance or policy and tries to give it to the solution provider to make things happen. So once procurement works with the uh, solution provider and uh, finance takes a look at the solution and this, they're like, well, this is not what I wanted. There are a lot of other pain areas within finance that we could fix if you involved me earlier. And uh, those are the things that uh, need to be taken care of. Finance need to be, needs to be involved right at the beginning, just so that uh, we don't uh, leave any stones unturned during the tool deployment. Yeah, definitely. And getting them in the same room to actually be able to ask the solutions provider, hey, do we have all the specs in place? Does this actually reach our goals? Absolutely. Those are really, really good tips, Karthik. I think that um, are super actionable right away for a lot of companies going through this process right now. So going on the same topic of digital procurement transformation, is there any horror stories that you've seen throughout your career that you want people to kind of avoid? Oh my God, there are quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a few. Every horror story has a learning, you know, at the end of it, how not to get killed by the end of it. Yeah. So I'll tell you two stories. There's this project that I was working on in Germany. Okay, It was a large automobile company. And uh, they took up, they spent a lot of money on the implementation. They had a rigorous process in terms of finalizing us, selecting us as an implementation team and procurement uh, diagnostic team. So we went through the through halfway of the implementation. And then uh, we had this integration to happen between their old ERP and the new uh, tool that's going to be the front end. And there were a few custom integration scenarios. And we needed a server to house the integration scenarios. And uh, this is what we came up with the customer with. So since you're asking for customization, we need an additional server to house the staging table per se. And uh, the customer comes back saying, okay, that would take three months. (laughs) So (laughs) the entire project went for a toss. And we had to wait for three months. They had such a uh, big process to acquire for a new server. And 
we didn't account for that in the beginning of the process although we had it as a part of a, of the proposal saying that uh, these are assumptions assuming that you have a, a server and all of this but the customer unfortunately did not look at it so mm -hmm. that's one horror story wow <laughs> yeah that's a length in the time by a lot absolutely especially when you say yeah. that i'm ready to implement it in four months and now it's going to take three months too <laughs> yeah that's horrible and what was the second one that you mentioned so the second one danny this is a very interesting one so imagine me wearing a suit and all mm -hmm. suited up with a tie uh, on my first day at a new client location and i'm getting introduced to everyone and uh, i got introduced to everyone i was taken to a big boardroom they opened the door i look look into the this big boardroom which had a nice view and i look at the table you know boardrooms are big tables and mm -hmm. table was filled with boxes and binders of papers almost oh like they God. had constitution of 24 different countries in mind <laughs> and uh, the cpo says this is what you're going to transform so this is our uh, tender process and uh, this oh, is envelope you. one this is envelope two and this is what needs to be uh, digitalized I told my God, so this is going to be a task. So that was the uh, horror <laughs> story too. And uh, they're doing pretty well now. They're happy with, uh, I, I killed a lot of their processes. So it was very difficult for them to start with. But uh, right yeah. now they're happy the way they are. Oh my gosh. That could almost be like, you know, in those movies, right? You walk in and you see these boxes and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, and they got this crazy process, Danny. Of, uh, so they got two envelopes. One envelope is the technical envelope. One envelope is the commercial envelope. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then what was in those envelopes? Was it just like POs or invoices? In those envelopes, there were these uh, responses to the tender or the RFP. One response was technical. The other one was commercial. And they had two people from the leadership who, who came. And their only job was to open the envelope and stamp it and see I opened it. And there's another leader oh who signs it. Okay, they rubber stamp it just so that it doesn't get manipulated. There's no corruption in between. So it was oh. fun working for such a customer because I learned a lot. And they had a reason for all of that to do. That's amazing, though, that, you know, you transformed that 180 because that's not an easy task for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for those stories. We always love hearing those because, uh, you know, when an organizational leader hears these, they're like, okay, good thing that's not us, right? <laughs> so that's, um, thank God, right? That's right. <laughs> so like a lot of startups actually listen to this podcast and they might not even have a procurement leader or a procurement department right away. You know, they're still mm -hmm. going off the ground. So as organizations scale, um, how can they start adopting their procure to pay strategy to keep up to the scale? Oh, that's a very nice question. So in terms of scalability, right? So I'm going to contradict myself. Tool is not everything mm -hmm. to start with. You don't need a tool to manage your procurement processes. You need to have a procurement process that is good, then get a tool. So to all the small, medium scale industries or, or companies, I would suggest that first get your process right and then think about a tool. Tools, you don't need to, uh, and tools are not out of your reach. So it's, they are affordable. You can take them in bits and pieces and keep improving your process as you go forward. A couple of things that you need to look at is a lot of these small organizations think uh, their procurement operations in a very tactical manner or in a very operational manner, more so POs and mm -hmm. invoices. There's definitely a need to think strategic. 
you need to be involved right from the budget allocation side. Whatever budget is getting allocated to the different business areas, if you're involved at right at that moment, you have your trust of your business owner saying that, give me this percentage of your budget, I'll ensure that I'll bring return on it or bring savings on it. So once you get that kind of a mindset, I'm sure you'll be able to scale up pretty quickly and having to manage your enterprise-wide contracts. So that is a very good strategy for small organizations is to build that culture of consolidating your suppliers, looking at your contracts and at an enterprise-wide level, bringing strategy into your organization is what will help you scale from a procurement strategy standpoint and uh, managing your contracts the right way, having the right sourcing strategies as well. Yeah, those are awesome tips. I know um, sometimes startups or medium-sized companies, they implement like an ERP or something like that way too early and they deal with the ramifications later where they don't really know how to, you know, get the employees to use it or they have issues with adoption. So it's definitely a really good tip to actually look at um, the overall strategy rather than the tactical. So I'm really glad that you said that. All right. Well, this is uh, my last question for you today, Karthik. I feel like so far you've already added a lot of value in this podcast and there's a lot of actionables that people can take right away, whether they're like an earlier stage startup or whether they're a more mature company. So that's really awesome. So you kind of talked about this during our conversation, but I wanted to know a little bit more. When approaching digital procurement transformation and looking at the gaps and how do you fill them with, uh, you know, technology and tools that will help you do that? What do you look for in a successful implementation and how do you make sure that you're actually picking the right tool for that specific purpose? Got that. So a few things, right? Uh, In a successful implementation, how do I measure that? One is monetary benefit for sure, right? How am I going to get benefited out of it? So you need to have that tied into your business case or your business requirement document right at the beginning. Happy users. You need to, people should be happy using the new tool right? That's core. You definitely need to have a stronger governance from what you had last year, right? Uh, Lesser audit pains as well as an organization. So these are the few things that you need to look at as what, what it means to have a successful implementation. Yeah, definitely. I love the happy users part because I feel like that's not usually something that leaders and organizations actually think about. They think about, you know, okay, well, does this improve our efficiency? Does this improve our bottom line? But um, happy users is so important because if no one wants to use the tool and you're forcing them, they're just going to get frustrated. Absolutely. And the tool isn't going to be used. Which in turn, you're not going to get the monetary benefit or governance or audits, better audits. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the core part. And, you know, like coming from a solution provider perspective, we always encourage if the employees have issues with the tool, if, if they're confused, to reach out to your solutions provider. Normally, you'll have a customer success manager that will make sure that you're happy using the tool and you have the training needed. So for those listening out there and you're dealing with things like this and if you have a solutions provider already, leverage that relationship because it will really help you and your entire team as well. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Karthik, thank you so much again for your time today. You've provided so much value and I've personally also learned a lot from you. Thank you so much, Danny. I really enjoyed this conversation. I had a podcast with folks in UK to start with, which is Daniel. And then with uh, James Metz, he, I think, is somewhere in, uh, I think he's in Bulgaria. And then with this guy called Noor Hadi from Malaysia and now with you from Canada. So 
Love it. Yeah, you've like had made friends around the world. I love that. And I think like that's the amazing thing about, you know, LinkedIn, right? You connect with professionals from everywhere. You share knowledge. And that's really what it's all about is building this community. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Karthik. I hope you have a great rest of your day or night. I don't know um, what time it is there in India right now. Yeah, it's, it's 2.15 in the morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, thank yeah. you for um, staying up so late to do this. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of today. If you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss another great guest. We'd also appreciate it if you give us a five-star review on iTunes for the Apple listeners out there. This podcast is sponsored by Procurify, a spend management solution that is making managing business spend simple. I know there's still a lot of you that are using spreadsheets, credit cards, and expense forms, or a mix of the above. Perhaps you're still using a procurement module in your ERP that is clunky and outdated. Procurify helps you implement proactive controls so that purchases are tracked and approved by the right person before it hits accounts payable. Never have to worry about a surprise invoice ever again. There's a reason why over 400 customers around the world love us. Our award-winning, easy-to-use system is loved by people everywhere. It's actually a purchasing system that your employees will actually want to use, believe it or not. Check us out at Procurify.com. So that's www.procurify.com and mention the podcast for a sweet listener special on our packages. 